Welcome to Logical, the UE's first and still the only regular legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott, and as always, he is our expert, the managing partner of the Dubai-based legal firm, HPL Yamalova and Pleska. It's Ludmilla Yamalova, nice to see you again. Good to see you too, Tim. Always great to be chatting with you. Now, again in Logical and forthcoming episodes of Logical, we're taking a slightly different approach, slightly more quick-fire question-and-answer approach to the legal issues that we're discussing. Uh, So let us know what you think of the changes that we're making. This time, it's everything you need to know about the UAE mediation law. And Ludmilla, let's start with what mediation is in legal terms. Well, mediation in legal terms is called is a form of alternative dispute resolution or is often referred as ADR. And it ultimately is an alternative to courts. It's less litigious and generally more efficient. Okay, so why is mediation important? What what's the relevance? Well, if properly conducted, mediation could be very effective. And um, also, it generally tends to be, because it's outside of the court, it tends to be uh, less contentious than court proceedings. Uh, Also, uh, mediations are usually conducted by specialized mediators, experts in a particular field that relates to, in most cases, the subject matter of the dispute. Uh, and they and the mediators rely on a specific expertise to be able to resolve uh, effectively that specific matter, which obviously they have a lot more experience in. Uh, and um, it's often used in very specific examples, like, for example, intellectual property, having a mediator mediate uh, a dispute um, uh, in intellectual property while having uh, expertise in that field is highly beneficial. So what, what types of cases could you refer to mediation? What, what would you generally kind of get experts in to, to sort out? Well, what we know is that all types of commercial and civil cases can be referred to mediation. Uh, okay. Also, it is now possible in the UAE to refer uh, even personal status cases to mediation. And that is, for example, you've got a divorce a settlement agreement, and there is at some point... Um, Uh, a dispute related to that particular mediation agreement. So you can actually refer uh, even such disputes which relate to very personal matters, your custody, divorces, even sometimes marriages uh, to mediation. Now it is possible. It's kind of starting to make sense to me. So you you get the two uh, opposing parties in the room and then somebody else comes in, which is, and it's not that kind of high pressure situation of the court case, is it, I suppose? Um, but you've got to get to that point. So how do you decide on whether to mediate and whether, I, I guess, mediation is available to you? Well, uh, mediation can only really be conducted in most cases if there's a specific either, if there's a specific agreement or if it's mandated by the court. But in most cases, when we talk about mediation, uh, we're talking about mediation that would have otherwise been agreed by an an agreement. Now, that agreement could be done uh, early on in the process and it could actually even be done uh, during the dispute. So at any point in time, the parties can say, time out. We want mediation. Uh, So it doesn't always have to be done in advance of the dispute itself. Okay, it's kind of, I I guess, kind of a de-escalation tactic almost, really, isn't it? Um, What about, we're in the UAE. What's the UAE's position? What's the UAE's um, stance on mediation? 
So the UAE only uh, two years ago introduced its first uh, formal mediation law, and it was introduced in 2021. Until then, mediation was practiced in some judicial proceedings, but it was uh, done without a formal mediation framework. Uh, It was um, done more on an ad hoc basis if the court decides, for example, to refer a specific case to mediation. Uh, But in terms of having a specific legal authority, uh, the first real mediation law was introduced in 2021. And I even remember when it came out, my team was very excited about it because it was such a novel uh, concept. And I know for uh, for lawyers, um, uh, perhaps for others, it's a little more uh, bizarre uh, to be excited about specific law. But for us, in particular, <laughs> legal practitioners, because mediation can have such uh, long, uh, long-lasting and um, uh, kind of overarching uh, fundamental uh, positive effects. Um, that's why we thought that you know, for us, it truly was a cause for celebration. <laughs> so the UAE now has specific mediation laws that lawyers can get excited about. Um, exactly what laws are in place? Just just run through those if you would. Uh, sure. So that first law that kind of kickstarted this excitement, uh, as uh, as you said, <laughs> uh, is the federal law number six of 2021, uh, and it's called the uh, Lobby on Mediation for Settlement of Civil and Commercial Disputes, and it was introduced in April of uh, 2029 uh, of 2021. So that's that's at the federal level. So it's important right. to highlight. So that um, this is the law that applies across uh, across all of the of the Emirates in the UAE. Uh, Then in Dubai, Dubai uh, also introduced its own mediation law, and that's law number 18 of 2021. Uh, And the name of this law is the law concerning uh, regulating conciliation activities in the Emirate of Dubai. And that's sort of, we'll refer to the Dubai Mediation Center law. Uh, also, as recently as just this month, in October of 2023, uh, DIAC, which is the Dubai International Arbitration Center, uh, introduced its own mediation rules. Uh, and these are the mediation rules that are dated of 2023. So in terms of a legal authority, this is also an important legal authority to rely on or to refer to uh, when we're talking about, generally speaking, the mediation legal framework. Okay, so that's the the essence of that uh, framework, those three particular areas. Um, There are two types, aren't there? Judicial and non-judicial types of mediations. Uh, Let's start with judicial mediation. What's that? So judicial mediation is during litigation or during court proceedings. Uh, um, And so judicial mediations usually happen uh, uh, during the court proceedings, and they are uh, decided uh, by the court. So it's the courts that can refer a dispute to mediation at any stage in the court proceedings. And then the judge will oversee and then supervise the mediation process. Uh, So the judge can refer to mediation either at the party's request or, or to implement a mediation agreement if the parties had previously agreed to one. Uh, Also, this is important that as per the the law, a court's decision to refer a case to mediation cannot be appealed. So it's basically the court's word is uh, the iron word. Uh, Also, uh, during these kinds of uh, judicial mediations, uh, time limits usually are suspended until the end of mediation. Uh, and, and that's unless there are urgent matters that need to be addressed earlier. So, for example, if you... um, 
uh, if the court decides to uh, to refer a certain matter to mediators, whatever whatever uh, deadlines would have been set uh, as part of the court proceedings in terms of parties' obligation to uh, make submissions to the court, uh, they will be suspended. Or even procedurally, if the courts have to address certain issues within certain schedule, so even those um, uh, deadlines will be suspended uh, pending the mediation. Uh, also, if if the dispute is settled through mediation, uh, then this is important because uh, through this judicial mediation, parties can also cl- reclaim the judicial fees, which is quite important uh, because I guess this also serves as an incentive uh, for parties to uh, to want to actually mediate their dispute instead of continuing to go through uh, the full uh, court proceedings because there's an incentive for, for them to reclaim at least part of their judicial fees. Okay. Uh, what about non-judicial mediation? What, how, how does that work? What's that? Uh, so the non-judicial mediation is mediation is before litigation or before court, uh, right. so uh, or outside of court, if you will. So it could be either before uh, the, a matter is referred to a court or. Uh, out uh, or outside of uh, the court uh, system altogether. Uh, and so they're also often referred to as also ad hoc mediation. Uh, well, there, I guess there's a type of, you can conduct mediations through what's called an ad hoc mediation, or parties can resort to a specific mediation center uh, that are set up exactly for the purposes of um, helping parties to potentially address amicable uh, or uh, address their disputes and potentially attain an amicable settlement um, as, as per the mediation agreement. Uh, and so you, and it, it would be in this mediation agreement uh, that the party should ideally also indicate if there's a specific mediation center that they want uh, to agree on. Uh, and that's the and so in the event of a dispute, that's the mediation center to which the parties uh, have to refer to their specific um, specific dispute. And in those cases, again, remember this we're talking about this is outside of court. So it's just let's say you and I had a, had a dispute and we had previously agreed that in the event of our dispute, we will go to um, we will try to resolve our dispute by mediation. So there isn't really a specific or formal uh, court um, uh, forum as, as uh, we're used to thinking about it when we have a dispute. But there will be these mediation centers. Uh, where uh, parties like, for example, you know, one of our mutual friends could act as a mediator. Uh, but mm. since it's just our mutual friend, so uh, that that person, that mediator, must have some kind of authority in order to make our discussion to our and our to our ultimate agreement uh, enforceable and effective. And so, in cases like that, a supervisory judge uh, would be appointed, and these, these ad hoc mediations, for example. So, a supervisory judge would be appointed to supervise the mediation center and ultimately um, assist in making sure that the mediation agreement that we may ultimately achieve is uh, is ratified and is enforceable. Okay, so how do you define that term mediation centre? Uh, what, what, what is a mediation centre? Yes, a great question because it is a new concept in the UAE. So yeah. mediation centres are, it's a forum uh, to ultimately conduct and formalise mediation agreements. Uh, mm-hmm. So essentially all mediation must take place through some sort of a mediation centre in order to fall under the scope of this UAE mediation law. 
Uh, and so there are different types of mediation centers. Uh, so, for example, uh, at the federal level, the UAE uh, Ministry of Justice uh, will issue further regulations, and this is uh, and, and procedures that uh, that specifically re- re- regulates um, the and um, allows to license. Uh, specific mediation centers. So these are the mediation centers that are specifically licensed and authorized by the Ministry of Justice. Uh, and they're also independent mediation centers. So, uh, and uh, this law is still fairly new, but uh, as per this, uh, this per the, as per the law, you can also have just sort of, you know, outside of the Ministry of Justice, independent mediation centers. And not only that, there is now also uh, an opportunity for foreign mediation centers to also apply for a license and to fall under this mediation law, which, by the way, is, is can be hugely beneficial because there could be a foreign Foreign, uh, mediation centers in other countries that have uh, that have existed for quite some time and have created a reputation and expertise, let's say, in very specific kind of, let's say, maritime issues. Uh, so um, these centers will also be able to apply for a license and open up uh, open up a branch, if you will, of a mediation center in the UAE. What specifically do we have in the UAE right now? What examples of mediation centres are there existing? Uh, so one is the DIAC Mediation Centre, and DIAC stands for the Dubai International Arbitration Centre. So perhaps for those of us who, who live in Dubai or do business in Dubai, that's the main one. That's a, media, that's a DIAC Mediation uh, Centre, which just this month in October of 2023 issued uh, uh, its very, very new um, DIAC, uh, uh, DIAC Mediation uh, Rules and Regulations. So that's one. Um, the other one, there is also in Dubai. So this is Diak kind of also in Dubai, but there's a, a general one as well. And that's called the Amicable Settlement of Disputes in Dubai. And that's um, usually, uh, that's that's where um, a lot of the Dubai court cases may be referred to. Uh, Diak is a very specific kind of mediation where parties really need to agree in order to um, uh, to avail themselves of the Diak jurisdiction. They must agree specifically on this Diak mediation center. Whereas the, um, uh, if parties um, are either referred by the court through the judicial uh, judicial mediation uh, to the, in Dubai, they will be referred to this amicable settlement of disputes in Dubai. Uh, there is also, that's just that's Dubai alone. Then there is uh, in Abu Dhabi, uh, there is the uh, ADGM arbitration center, which is the Abu Dhabi General uh, Global Markets Arbitration Center. And it's a free zone. It's a free zone that uh, has its own jurisdiction and it has its own uh, laws and it has its own centers, including its own uh, arbitration center, which is called the ADGM Arbitration Center. So that's another one. Uh, other mediation centers exist in, uh, at least for certain kind of matters, uh, within specific free zones. Uh, so for example, if you are in the DMCC or the Dubai Multi-Commodity Center and you have an employment matter, all of those matters uh, are referred by default uh, to mediation center in these um, in these in these free zones. Uh, also, companies and partners and that that sit in those same free zones could also agree to have their disputes, for example, uh, addressed um, and adjudicated by a mediator uh, that perhaps is aligned or uh, or somehow attached to the mediation center, or could just be basically referred to the mediation. So that's another example, uh, and then. And um, there will also be the private mediators, and uh, these are private mediators that uh, ultimately uh, will be registered or uh, licensed or registered under the Ministry of Justice. So these are just some examples. 
Okay, so it's a very specific skill. You'd need the the patience, I guess, of a saint to be a, a, a really good mediator. But who can be a mediator? Well, if you want to get technical in terms of um, uh, what the law what the law states, uh, the law states that a mediator is defined, that's how the law defines it, is that every natural or juristic person, so in other words, it can be just not me as a person, but it could also be an entity. Uh, so it's every natural juristic person who is appointed um, by the parties uh, to reach an amicable resolution for a dispute. Uh, whether a special mediator or one of the registered uh, mediators uh, that uh, is chosen from the list of mediators in the center. So that's technically speaking so how the law defines uh, mediators. In terms of very specific um, expertise or areas of practice, if you will, um, they could be retired members of the judicial authorities. Uh, they could also be registered lawyers. Uh, they could be retired lawyers. Uh, or they could be um, um, uh, experts from other uh, from other qualifying industries um, and uh, in, in the legal field. So, for example, there could be an accounting uh, mediator, uh, there could be um, a family mediator, uh, and so on. And then also the Minister of Justice is announcing or is basically the requirements and specifications uh, for registration of uh, um, in, in, the, in its own registry of mediators. And there, as, as part of this framework, it will also uh, not only issue, but impose a, a code of conduct um, that will apply to all the mediators, which is very important because, again, what we're talking about here is an alternative to courts. Well, we all know how courts function and we know that courts have official authority and their authorities is pretty unequivocal. So mediation is an alternative uh, to courts. So how do you make uh, something that's an alternative to otherwise something that has authority and teeth? How do you make this alternative uh, also be effective? Uh, and so, and this is why there is, um, uh, there is, you know, it's not just an expectation, but it's also logical for some kind of supervising authority uh, to have supervising a supervising right uh, and and be able to hold these mediators accountable to something uh, so we all know what it would take for a judge to be appointed and for a judge to sit on the bench but for mediators they also need to be accountable to something and so this is this code of conduct uh, that will be one way uh, to hold mediators accountable and um, uh, and some to some sort of standards Okay, and the Ministry of Justice, I guess, is in charge of any regulations to do with mediators. Indeed, at least at the federal level, that's uh, that's uh, that's the authority that will uh, that's issuing regulations and all sorts of procedures regarding the licensing of mediation centers. And uh, as time goes on, also they will be the authority to make sure that if there's any violations, uh, that um, those violations are addressed um, uh, through the proper means. And you know, to be able to address violations, you obviously need to have some sort of a benchmark or um, in other words, a code of conduct that you are able to hold mediators uh, to, to uh, account. Okay, so you and I have a relationship and we fall out and uh, I decide, right, it's mediation or nothing, uh, mediation or bust, uh, if you like. Um, where do I get a mediator? Where, where would I find a mediator? So the mediation centers will um, will have what these mediation centers in either specific emirate, you know, at a federal level, they will there will be a list or a registry of mediators, uh, and these are the mediators that have been pre-approved by uh, the Ministry of Justice. 
Uh, and this registry of mediators will include um, specific mediators by specific expertise or specific industry. Uh, and and as I've mentioned earlier, they are the ones that have been pre-approved and, and um, not so much chosen, but at least authorized by the Minister of Justice. Um, there will also be special or private mediators. And these special private mediators, for example, they could be me. They actually do not need to be approved uh, and they don't need to be registered with the, with the registry of mediators, but they will still have to be subject to the, uh, to the code of conduct. Okay. I mean, we often talk in this podcast, Ludmilla, about how everything is now online in the legal sphere. Definitely post-COVID, that's that's happened kind of exponentially. I, I guess uh, there's a platform, is there, online uh, for mediators? Indeed. And it's, by the way, it's fairly new. Uh, so um, as we've mentioned, so the law itself, the, the, the biggest, so the first uh, inroads into the mediation arena in the UAE. It was done by virtue of the mediation law from 2021. But just recently, uh, the UAE Ministry of Justice, or as we refer to it, MOJ, has recently launched an electronic mediation platform or, or, or e-mediation platform. Uh, so this is fairly new, just a few months ago. And so this management, uh, this, this platform basically is that is for to manage uh, mediation proceedings and everything from payments to scheduling to reports. And as uh, the, the name suggests, it is all uh, online. Uh, which means that to, to have effective mediation proceedings, you don't need to go to like a specific physical center. Uh, it can be um, it's, it can be all online, and all the hearings and all the schedules and all the costs and 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 the decisions of the mediator uh, they can be and will be uh, available exclusively online. Let's uh, come up with a hypothetical. You've been through the business relationship, you've had the fallout, you've found the mediator. Talk me through a mediation agreement. So a mediation agreement doesn't have to be anything fancy. Uh, It can just be, but it must include a a few material elements. Uh, One, uh, it, um, uh, it has to be the subject of the dispute. So what it is that will ultimately be subject to mediation. Uh, and uh, and it has to perhaps include the uh, so some some provisions about uh, the qualifications of a mediator. So it, let's say in um, in a maritime dispute or an intellectual property dispute, the parties may want to choose ahead of time that they want to have a mediator who has maritime experience uh, or a mediator who has. Uh, intellectual property experience, and you can make it as broad or as as specific as you want. You may even include that you want a mediator who's had at least 15 years of intellectual property experience. And you can even go and become, get more granular than that, because it could be that uh, you want, it's a very complex uh, uh, intellectual property dispute, and you want somebody in patents. So you want somebody, not just somebody to be experienced in, in intellectual property, but somebody who's experienced in patent, for example, litigation or patent prosecution that's had at least 15 years of experience. And also, so that's another uh, another element that you should include in the uh, mediation agreement. Now, also, how you appoint uh, or method by which you appoint a mediator uh, unless um, sometimes parties will say we will want to uh, find a mediator, appoint a mediator with this experience, but how do you appoint one? I mean, where do you find one? Uh, mm-hmm. So you can also include that level of detail. For example, we want only somebody who's registered with the Ministry of Justice, for example, or we want somebody who uh, is registered with this foreign uh, mediation center. Uh, 
uh, and and so on and so forth. So these are basically the kind of the, the, whatever it is that may be material for the parties in that specific uh, business relationship. Uh, and also, uh, the mediation agreement should include the language of the mediation because the default in the UAE, in particular, is Arabic. So if you want a dispute to be litigated in a different language, and that's also one of the big advantages of mediation, is that it can actually you can choose whatever language you want. So it could be Hindi, for example. It could be Chinese if you wanted to. Uh, so, but if you do not choose one, the default will be Arabic. But if you choose one, you can choose whatever it is you want. Uh, let's talk about what goes on within the kind of the mediation proceedings, if you like. What are some of the key aspects? So there are a number, but one is, um, you know, parties can opt, as as I said, parties need to kind of decide what language the proceedings will be. And this is important uh, because from there, uh, everything else in terms of how the proceedings will be held uh, will uh, will stem. So, for example, uh, if unless the mediation states that um, uh, the proceedings will be in different languages, the standard language mediation is Arabic, which means that whatever documents will be presenting as part of the mediation proceedings will also have to be legally translated into Arabic. And vice versa, if you have English uh, specifically listed as a language, then you do not need to have any of your documents um, uh, translated. You see, so it can seems like a small thing, but it can truly transform uh, the the entire experience if you have to uh, to translate documents. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and then also the maximum duration of any kind of mediation proceedings, and that's the idea, is to make them kind of more expedited, is three months from the date of the appointment of the mediator. Uh, and those three months can be uh, further extended for additional three months period uh, with approval, and they can only be extended to, uh, once. So in other words, you can only really, mediation cannot last more than six months cumulatively. Uh, as uh, I said, so mediations is conducted electronically and in remote sessions, uh, and parties can attend these mediation sessions with consultants, which is uh, important. So all the mediation usually it means between parties, uh, but they can attend them with their lawyers or the, whatever other consultants. Uh, so it doesn't have to be just between the parties themselves who are in dispute. Uh, also. Uh, so the mediator can uh, make, can organize private sessions with each party, and this is important because many people think the mediation is like it's just like in the court you have between uh, all the parties in the same room, uh, but it is possible and it's very common, not just under this UAE mediation law uh, and practice, but also in other countries for mediators to organize their own private uh, sessions with parties before they come together. Sometimes they don't even come together. The mediator will be shuttling between uh, two rooms uh, and uh, having conducting their own private sessions. Uh, So um, another aspect of mediation is that uh, all proceedings are confidential. Uh, This is important and without prejudice. Uh, so it's unlike, and that's also one of the benefits why of having mediation, and um, is that unlike court cases and court proceedings, which are public, uh, anything that happens in mediation is confidential. And um, and without prejudice also is an important, perhaps a ubiquitous term that many people um, used all too often not knowing what it means. Uh, but in the UAE, especially as per this law, it's a very important term because it means that whatever things are discussed, whatever is is whatever documents are shared in mediation, they cannot be used against uh, the parties uh, later. 
So for example, if I will make a settlement offer to you during our mediation discussions, and our mediation does not succeed, you cannot later use my settlement offer uh, to, against me. So look, she wanted to settle for half the amount that she is not asking. So that's kind of what without prejudice means. Um, so as per this law, this is now is codified. And because generally speaking, the whole idea of, uh, of without prejudice in the UAE is, is still... Um, is still sort of evolving. But as per this law, this this without prejudice actually does have some teeth. And in particular with mediation, uh, whatever sort of happens between us in this mediation room stays between us and cannot be used against us. So those are some of the main elements. This is one of those situations as well when things are not just black or white. There are gray areas in mediation. So in terms of expected outcomes... What could be the outcome of mediation proceedings? Um, so there could be several. One, um, there could be the result could be is a settlement agreement itself. Right. Uh, the other one is that the mediation ended, um, uh, and just uh, and then it, because there's no settlement. Right. Uh, so uh, so mediation by very the definition of mediation. Uh, you cannot force parties to resolve a dispute. So it's an attempt for parties to resolve their dispute amicably without going to court. It's an attempt, but you cannot force them. So as a result, uh, at the end of our, to use you and me, at the end of our uh, settlement discussions or mediation discussions, we can agree on a settlement agreement. So that's one is the settlement agreement. Uh, and two, if we don't agree, then the mediation ends, there's no settlement, and then you and I need to decide what it is that we want to do next. Either we go separate ways and we forget about it, uh, or one of us files a court case. What's the benefit of uh, the mediation settlement agreement then? What, what specifically does it mean? Uh, it is, uh, in short, it is an executable instrument or enforceable instrument, and there's no need for a substantive court case. Now, what does that mean? Uh, when an instrument or a document is enforceable, it means that if you and I agree on a settlement agreement, a mediation agreement, then and then we have a dispute against uh, on its basis, we don't need to go and relitigate substance of it. So let's say as part of our mediation agreement, uh, we agree that I will pay you X amount for whatever it is that damages I might have caused, caused you or whatever it is that that was the nature of our dispute. So now once we've agreed that I'll pay you this amount, then you can go with that document straight to enforcement. So you don't need to take it to court and open a substantive case and argue, look, she uh, she said that she will pay me. Now the breach happened. And so she has to pay me this amount. And I could then have an opportunity to dispute a challenge that you don't need to do that. You will be able to just take this as uh, an enforceable document and straight to the enforcement court and um, uh, and request enforcement, for example, of that specific compensation provision where I am required to pay you X amount of money. Uh, so, um, and that's that's perhaps the the biggest um, benefit in addition to the ones we've discussed, such as uh, the time and the expense and the expertise of the mediator that would, uh, at least in theory, should uh, should have better chances of bringing parties together to resolve their dispute without having to go to court. Okay, so if there's no need for any kind of court proceedings, that means you could save legal fees. Uh, which I guess would be cheaper. But what does mediation cost? I mean, is, is there a figure you could put on that? Uh, 
Yes, well, for special mediators, um, they can determine their own fees, but uh, they must not exceed 5% of the claim amount uh, in the dispute. So this is important uh, because um, you, can, uh, you can agree on some very qualified and very highly paid mediators, but ultimately uh, parties need to keep in mind that uh, the, those, they need to appoint mediators that will accept this particular case given the limitation of how much they can charge. So the mediators in, in uh, sp any kind of special mediators cannot charge more than 5% of what's in dispute. Uh, so, and with regards to the mediators from the registry, uh, the, the fees can be determined by the center. So uh, there is specific, so these are the special mediators, the, the early case I described, that's for special mediators uh, who we decide to appoint, uh, and that's kind of the limit of what my, they can charge. Uh, but for those that are actually listed with the mediation registry, their fees are usually determined by the center. And so the preliminary and preliminary mediation fees, by the way, are paid prior to starting mediation and usually directly to uh, the center to ensure that mediators actually get paid. Because that's again, this is you know with as is with, with the case with court proceedings before you your case actually progresses, you need to have paid the court fees. Same thing with the mediators. Uh, their fees need to be paid first through the center so that <laughs> the parties don't just run away and um, uh, and uh, and that's basically when the mediation proceedings would start. Now you've been a legal professional. You've had your, you've had your firm in the UAE for what fifteen years, fifteen years plus. Uh, I think you've uh, a wealth of experience here. Uh, what what's your experience in mediation? I, I mean, how, do you have specific experience as a mediator? I do, uh, and quite a bit of it. Uh, however, mm. it's uh, not under this, if you will, this sort of formal mediation uh, framework, uh, as uh, would um, as perhaps would be mandated by this uh, new mediation law, and that's for a number of reasons. One is, as as we discussed, uh, this um, uh, this this law is very new, and as we've also just covered, not it's one thing to introduce the law, but there's a lot of other elements uh, that need to be uh, put into play in order to start actually implementing the law. So, like for example the mediator um, licensing and the mediator, the code of conduct uh, and uh, the spe specific mediation centers and the rules themselves. So, so DIAC alone just introduced the mediation uh, rules only just now, this, this month, a few weeks ago. Uh, so, so in terms of the legal framework and my experience and uh, my firm's experience in mediation in the UAE, it hasn't really fallen under this, this kind of the, this new um, and um, mediation framework, which is legal framework, which is evolving before our eyes. But in terms of in practical experience, uh, mediation, we've mediated a lot of disputes. And this is why, uh, and I, I find mediation extremely effective if it's conducted properly. Um, and this is why I was so excited along with my team uh, that about this new mediation law, because this new mediation law and the resulting uh, mediation framework uh, has uh, the, the promise of um, having a broader reach 
uh, to the UAE and um, and therefore allow parties a more effective and a more non-contentious way to resolve their disputes in all sorts of uh, fashion. So um, and, and in all sorts of matters. Uh, so, for example, we have med- mediated successfully many many uh, disputes, divorce disputes, and I'll just give you some examples. We've had parties that. Uh, and obviously would have a client would come to us and say, I want to divorce my husband and I hate everything about him. I don't want, I just want to erase the memory of him and I want to uh, clean him up completely and I don't care how much it's going to cost me. I want the whole kitchen sink. Obviously, divorce is a very, is, is a personal matter case and there's a lot of emotions at play. And this is all, um, it's all very human. It's, it's natural. It's expected. Uh, but when clients come to me in these kinds of circumstances as a lawyer, as a litigator, my job is to, to set them up to succeed. And, uh, and to do this, we have to make decisions that are rational uh, and that are legally based and not emotional. Uh, so as much as, for example, my client may think that she's been done wrong by her um, husband, and that's just one example in terms of a, a divorce, uh, that my job is to, if you will, to talk her off the edge uh, and show her the um, uh, the actual, the, the pragmatic situation of where we're in terms of laws. So what does it mean uh, for um, for her to go, uh, to, for you know, to, to request all the things that she wants to request? Well, the UAE laws do not allow for it. They don't allow for, for example, moral damages, right, or emotional damages. And we've had a lot of parties that that have wanted to claim exactly that. Okay, we can go to court, we can claim those, but the law doesn't allow for, for the courts to grant emotional damages or moral damages, for example. So there's no reason for you to roll up your sleeves and get your your boxing gloves on uh, to want to claim these if the law will not support it. So once you start educating clients, but listen, okay, law, law-wise, legally-wise, you will not be able to get for example, these kinds of claims, uh, therefore, all of a sudden, their temperature starts falling. Because it's one thing when you think, oh, the shining star out there at the end means I will walk away with $10 million. Then your your energy flows a lot more and you're a lot more excited and you're a lot more eager to actually go to to battle. But all of a sudden, if out of $10 million, you uh, could you, know, you were claiming you were expecting about $7 million of it to be for your emotional distress and emotional damages, and you realize, oh, there is no law to support it, well, your temperature falls in terms of your fighting spirit. Uh, so, um, and, and then you walk them through, okay, so do you understand what it's like to go to court? If you go to court, it's going to be X number of years. It's going to be, uh, these are the kinds of proceedings. And so would not be better. Is it possible for us to meet with your husband and discuss with him and figure out some kind of a framework that ultimately, you know, your relationship has ended, for example. So there's no reason to try to salvage it. One and two. Let's say in most cases, so what in divorces? What what are the different uh, elements? You have three basically. One is the relationship. Well, if it ended, it has ended. Two is children, and three assets, right? And so, well, if your relationship has ended, it has ended. There's no point of fighting for it. Uh, so in, now, in terms of children. What is in the best interest of the children? And it's not for parties, for the parents to fight and drain each other's uh, pockets. Uh, it's basically to make decisions that are in the best interest of their children, the most responsible for their children. Uh, and then when you start discussing it that way, then all of a sudden parties' temperatures really cool and they're a lot more um, uh, amiable to the idea of sitting together in the same room and discussing 
the um, um, the these these matters more in a, a perhaps less confrontational manner. Uh, and then three assets, same sort of thing. If you are trying to divide assets that you know legally, for example, the court here will not support for one reason or another. Um, then and again, if you're keeping your children's um, uh, ultimate objectives uh, uh, as your main drive driver. Then before you know it, parties are realizing, oh, okay, yeah, maybe it's best we don't argue, we don't do this, uh, let's figure out an amicable way. So that's one example. We've had many, many successful um, mediation cases, if you will, in, in successfully helping parties kind of cool their temperatures and ultimately agree on an amicable settlement. Same thing with employment. There's a lot, and that comes from, we've handled a lot of employment cases and, and, and successfully mediated a lot of employment matters. Uh, for from both from the perspective of the employers and the perspective of employees. Uh, so, for example, we have employees coming to us that we want um, this and this from the company. The company is not wanting to pay us. And what we've often done is, for example, is said, listen, I mean, what you can reasonably expect from the company is this. And we can even help mediate you this, mediate this issue for you. In other words, help you educate your company about their rights. So that's before us going writing legal notices to the company and say you have violated this and that. It's more just giving the party the tools to have an intelligent discussion and 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 the effective discussion with the employer to educate the employer so that they, uh, they, they are more receptive to the employee's position. And um, that's perhaps a topic for a separate podcast, but those, um, those uh, mediation attempt, uh, proceedings have, um, have been extremely successful and we've mediated many cases. Uh, that's from the employer's perspective. Same from the company. We've had companies that come say, you know, I want to punish this employee for this and that. Uh, and so I am not going to pay them, for example. And then once again, when you sit with the company, say, do you understand that by law? Okay, I understand you don't want because they've upset you. You may have your rights, but there are certain minimal requirements that you must uh, comply with, irrespective of how you personally feel about your employee. Uh, so, um, and we've talked a lot of a lot of companies like this off their edge, um, and uh, prevented them from going to court and spending money on court uh, in favor of amicable resolving disputes with their employees. Another example is partnership disputes. We've had many partnership disputes and uh, and this perhaps is where mediation is most effective and this is where I hope that this new UAE mediation law will be most effective uh, and that's in these partnership disputes because um, people are all always too eager to go into a business together and um, Often partnerships happen, especially in this country, not so much because of their complementing business um, attributes, but because of friendships. And when you have friends going into business, uh, often <laughs> there's a, there's a I don't want to be too dramatic, but it, in often many cases is a recipe for disaster. Sure. And so then the the in these kinds of disputes in particular, uh, parties partner partners would actually benefit tremendously uh, from a mediator. It's, let's say specifically in that industry, yeah, use the maritime industry as an example, or or commodities industry, right, uh, or intellectual property industry, or cryptocurrency, for example, where you can appoint a mediator that understands that specific topic, like cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's blockchain. It you know it's not for everybody. So so in those cases, and we have also um, helped mediate disputes amongst many different partners in all sorts of industries. 
so and then, then another example is real estate investors or in real estate industry. Uh, once again, it'd be it'd be highly beneficial, and we have been very successful in. And, and mediating a lot of real estate matters where um, things were <laughs> looking very ugly when people came to us and uh, through the same sort of mediation tactics of ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to empower parties uh, to be effective in their communication with the opposing side. And effective, I don't mean be threatening, but rather effective. And so when you give them information or you are presenting the information on their behalf, is to you're, you're educating the other party about a their chances of success, you know, be about sort of the risks uh, that are involved in, in uh, contentious proceedings. Uh, and um, you'd be surprised how many not, how many times we've had, uh, we've been able to successfully mediate real estate disputes where parties were so close to filing a court case or even in cases where they already filed court cases. Uh, but um, as they were going through the process, you know, and then once they, their temperatures and their emotions cooled a little bit, um, that they were able to see better um, the um, uh, the benefits uh, and the risks, you know, the benefits of trying to resolve things amicably and the risks of continuing uh, on with litigation. I get it. It's really involved. It brings to mind a, a telecoms provider ad that I grew up with, and the tagline was, it's good to talk which was a, a really clever little line, but it kind of summarises everything you've said here. It is about getting parties in the room, trying to simmer things down and getting people to accept that there are probably obligations on both sides. It's hard uh, in the heat of the moment. Um, Miller, just finally, let's just summarise what we've talked through uh, today. Mediation, the, the good, the bad and the ugly, uh, I guess, as it were. Well, let's let's summarise with the good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'd say, one, it's non-contentious proceedings through a non-contentious way to resolve disputes. Uh, two, it's affordable. Um, three, it's expeditious, a lot more efficient in the way disputes are resolved. Uh, four, it's um, uh, it's effective expertise of the mediators, the expertise that uh, is at the core of the particular dispute. And five, it's enforceable. So mediation agreement is enforceable once you've actually agreed. That's another edition of Logical UAE Mediation Law. As ever, thank you for watching, listening, or both. And thanks to our legal expert, managing partner at Yamalova and Pleska here in Dubai, Ludmilla Yamalova. Really appreciate your, your knowledge sharing again. Tim, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be speaking with you. You can find us at LY Law on social media, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn. All the podcasts are free at lylawyers.com. And if you'd like your legal question answered in an episode of Logical or you'd like to talk to a qualified and UE experienced legal professional, click contact at lylawyers.com.